1: Listening's All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 408, and today we are talking about books being released on April 4th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Danica Ellis, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Danica, hello! Hello! I feel like we just did this and that we also did this many months ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah, time is strange. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Before we started recording, I was asking you about your vacation that you went on, and you didn't even remember, because
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I was like, you went away between the last time we spoke, and you were like, did I? <laughs> That's exactly how I feel all the time.
0: <laughs> I just got a new dog, and now oh! I have no sense of anything other than this dog it has been dominating <gasps> every minute what kind of dog is it i didn't know this <laughs> yeah i it's been like four days i think now oh wow very new he is a rescue from mexico he was a street dog he's about three years old and he's very sweet but he is like not house trained not you know this is his first time Oh
1: wow what's his name
0: his name's scrappy <laughs> oh Uh yeah it's very like scooby's nephew yeah (laughs) yeah we thought we might change it when we got him but then we got him and saw just how many little scars are all over his face so yeah he's he's a scrappy
1: (laughs) oh well welcome home scrappy yeah that's cute
0: I I don't know if he's going to bark in the middle of recording or anything. He he doesn't oh. seem to care that I'm <laughs> that I'm talking, but who knows.
1: <laughs> he's like, "I have my own podcast. I hope <laughs> I want to be on yours." <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: So, this is episode 408, which means that the corresponding area code serves San Jose, California and the surrounding areas. So, hello to the people In area code 408, which I know (laughs) I wrote down on a piece of paper, someone messaged me and they were very excited that we were going to mention 408. And I'm so sorry, I couldn't find that piece of paper, so I forgot your name. Um, But hello to you um, out there in the San Jose, California and surrounding area. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you a story because I feel like if anyone will understand this story, it will be everyone listening, the ATBs and you, Danica. But um, this week I had to go into the hospital to have a procedure. And when I woke up from the procedure, they were like, everything went great. It went really well. And I was like, good. But like my eye, one of my eyes was like really scratchy and it was all blurry. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, I have something in my eye. And they're like, oh, no, don't touch it. And so they told me it was a corneal abrasion, which is something that happens when you have surgery sometimes when you're under anesthetic. Oh, And They're like, it's gonna go away. It'll be fine. They're like, you just need to, like, stop. Don't touch it. Don't use it. They're like, just put a piece of tape on it, and you probably shouldn't, like, read for, like, the next (gasps) day or so. And I was like, this is the worst possible outcome to this (laughs) procedure that could have happened. (laughs) So, I had to just lay on the couch, and I watched Monk for, like, 30 episodes (laughs) with one eye. But... I was just like, this is not what I was expecting. I was expecting to like lay around
0: and read for the next two days, and they were like, "Oh, sorry." (laughs) This is the problem with not being an audiobooks listener. What about (laughs) in an emergency when you need
1: to listen? I (laughs) know that probably would have been great. I didn't even consider it. You're right. I don't know why. I was like, all right, I'll just watch TV. (laughs)
0: Also. But I
1: was like, I know, I know everyone listening will understand, like, Mm -hmm. how that affected me. (laughs) You know? And then I was, like, talking to the nurse, and she was so nice. And I was telling her, like, I read And she was like, oh, okay, you know. And she was, like, I ended up having a box of books sent over to her because she and her daughters are big readers. And I have stacks of books in my house. and (laughs) And it was great. I am always a fan of getting rid of books. That I have in my house. Not as much of a fan as my husband is. But (laughs) yeah, so all went well. And let's see what else. Today is March 31st Um, while we're recording this, which is always my favorite meme from Parks and Recreation. When April April Ludgate schedules all of Ron's appointments for March 31st because she doesn't think it's a real day. So on March 31st, (laughs) he has like 93 appointments. (laughs) Which I always thought was very funny. Yeah. All right. So what do I have to tell you now? Uh, I want to tell you about the Deep Dive, which is our new Book Riot newsletter. If you're looking for fascinating stories, informed takes, and useful advice... Or even more from the experts in the world of books and reading, you can subscribe to Book Riot's newest newsletter, The Deep Dive, to get exclusive content delivered to your inbox. Subscribe and choose your membership level today at bookriot.substack.com. If you're on the fence or need some time before making the commitment, you can check out the free subscription, which will get you the splash pad, which rounds up some of our experts' recommended reading and bookish lifestyle goods monthly. That's bookriot.substack.com to check that out. And now we're going to hear from a sponsor. Okay. So we're going to talk about books now because books are exciting. My first pick for today is The Scourge Between Stars by Ness Brown. This is a novella which is in my new favorite subgenre, which I've mentioned a few times recently. It's the space mystery horror, like where something is happening on a spacecraft or like they find a spacecraft and they don't know what happened on it. Like, like something scary in space. Big fan of this. Very excited. I loved this. This is just a novella, so I'm just going to give you a little description because I don't want to give too much away. But it starts like the backstory in a lot of sci-fi ship exploration stories start where Earth is the worst. It's inhabitable, and humans left the, the planet like 200 years ago and set out to colonize a new planet. Like, they had one all picked out. You know, they went shopping. They found one. And that experiment failed. Like, they couldn't stay there. And so this fleet of ships had to leave that planet and took off in search of another place, trying to figure out what to do. And it has now been, I think, like half a century. Forgive me, I read this book last summer. I think it was like half a century or a century ago that they, these ships left, right? And they've just been out trying to figure out what to do now. So Jacqueline Albright is the main character. She is the acting captain of the Calypso. She's been the acting captain for a couple of weeks now, and I feel like it's a spoiler to tell you why she's the acting captain, so I'm not going to mention that part. But the Calypso, like most of the ships in the fleet, is just limping along. Their supplies are hardly any. Like, they've been trying to make things themselves and grow things themselves, but, you know, they've been out there for so many years now. You know, the oxygen is recycled, the supplies are dwindling, there are different wards aboard the ship, and... Some of them run out of supplies sooner than others. Some of them need more things than others. And she can't supply these things to them. And they're getting very restless, the people in these wards. And she doesn't know what to do. But, like, everything is going wrong at once because, like, she doesn't have any supplies. The wards are getting restless. The ship has been getting struck by what they refer to as engagements. They're these attacks that come out of nowhere. They rock the ship. They cause damage. They don't know what's causing them. They can't see what's causing them. They can't predict when they're going to happen. They could happen every few hours or every few days or every few months. Like, they don't know when it's going to happen. They don't know what's doing it. And the good news is that the head of tech thinks that he has finally figured out a pattern or some kind of way to avoid them and also maybe identify where they're coming from. So like, this is the good news. Like The only good news that Jack has received Like at the beginning of this book. But then the murders start happening. There are these gruesome murders. Someone who is skilled at killing has somehow gotten on their ship or is a member of their ship and has murder on their mind and is murdering the crew members one at a time. So Jack and her crew must find the killer before they find them or before there's no one left. This is a really fun sci-fi horror about space colonization It's a mystery. Like, who's the killer? Uh, It deals with mental health aboard the vessel. Um, You know, these people have been trapped on this ship, some of them, for their whole lives. Jack was born on the ship. Like, she's never put her feet on solid ground. And a lot of people are like Jack, you know, and they have no plan. They don't know what they're going to do, you know, and that causes a lot of emotional stress. Also a great look at AI. There's an android named Watson, who is the smartest android built Yet and is so helpful, but Jack detests it for reasons that I can't tell you. But Watson is really fun and just wants to be friends with everybody. And it's just, it's so good. I really enjoy this one. I do want to give content warnings for violence, murder, gore, um, mental health discussions, loss of a loved one, suicide, and mass casualties. That is The Scourge Between Stars by Ness Brown.
0: I also love space horror and space mystery. I don't <gasps> Put it in a spaceship.
1: This is the one for you.
0: <laughs> it's so exciting.
1: You should read this. It'll take you two seconds.
0: Yeah, I actually uh, have it downloaded already, so I need to just Yay! actually get to it. <laughs> so my first pick is Forget Me Not by Alison Derrick. Last year, I read She Gets the Girl, which was written by Alison Derrick with her wife, Rachel Lippincott, and I really enjoyed it, so I knew I had to pick this one up. This is a YA amnesia romance, which... Kind of sounds like a soap opera premise, the girl meets girl, girls fall in love, girl gets amnesia and forgets girl, girl tries to win her back. But there's this undercurrent of sadness here that really grounds the story. So in the first chapter, we meet Stevie, who has just graduated high school, and she has big plans for what comes next, but almost no one in her life knows about them. She has been secretly dating Nora for years, but they live in this small conservative town, so being out isn't an option. Her mom is deeply involved in the Catholic Church. Her dad watches Fox News almost every waking hour. So they only see each other in private, Nora and Stevie, they do dates in the woods. And when Stevie can't sleep, she will silently call Nora and then just listen to her voice because she doesn't want to wake up her parents in the next room by speaking. It has been really difficult keeping up this facade and trying to cover up for all of the time that they spend together. But it's going to be worth it because they just need to get through the summer before they're off to California. Stevie secretly applied to UCLA and got in, and then they can start their life together. They have been saving up for an apartment. Uh, Stevie has a job at a coffee shop two towns away, which is also the perfect cover for why she is disappearing all the time when she is actually with Nora. But then, after all that meticulous planning, one bad moment just erases everything that they had been working for. During one of their dates in the woods, Stevie falls, and she is put into a medically induced coma. This is a really bad fall. And Nora basically has to carry her out of the woods. And then she is in a coma. And when she wakes up, she has forgotten the last two years entirely. She still thinks she's 15. She doesn't remember ever meeting Nora. And she's left trying to piece together the time that she's lost. So, for instance, she finds that she's distant with her parents now and she has no idea why that is. She doesn't know why she was alone in the woods when Nora apparently saw her and rescued her. And because she has deleted or hidden any evidence of her relationship with Nora so they wouldn't be found out, there's nothing for her to stumble on. She doesn't know about it at all. And then interspersed with these chapters are the unsent letters from Nora, who is explaining how heartbroken and confused she is by this situation she knows that this version of stevie doesn't have any idea that she's gay never mind that she is currently in a relationship with a girl and she feels like if she tells stevie that it will scare her off but she also feels terrible about lying to her especially when stevie is actively trying to recover her memories and then Stevie thinks that Nora is just a new friend and that it's really nice to hang out with someone that doesn't have any memories of her that she doesn't have. Both of them are hoping that if Stevie can retrace familiar settings and things they've done, that she will recover her memories, but there's no guarantee of that. I thought there was an interesting balance here between Nora and Stevie's perfect relationship pre-coma and then their pretty hateful surroundings. Her parents and friends are all very conservative, and her friends make racist comments, even though Stevie is half Korean herself. And she doesn't know that they actually haven't really been friends for years, and that she's just pretending to be friends with them to keep up this facade. So this is all really confusing for Stevie. And then there's stevie's internalized homophobia as well as she is befriending nora she is falling for her and totally confused by this i accidentally read this all in one day because it's so compelling
1: accidentally
0: (laughs) i meant to just read like a chapter and then i was reading the whole thing It happens. It's just so compelling. It's so absorbing. And it's really interesting because it sounds like it'll be, again, that soap opera plot, but it actually felt much more grounded than that. Definitely be aware of the racism and homophobia that is very present in the story. But with that in mind, I really enjoyed reading this. I will definitely be watching what this author writes next. And that is Forget Me Not by Alison Derrick.
1: Okay. My next pick for today is This Bird Has Flown by Susanna Hoffs. This is a romantic comedy of sorts about Jane Start. Jane Start was a singer. Well, I should say is a singer. But when she was 23, she had a huge single that went bazillion platinum, and it was written and produced by this world-famous musician named Jonesy, and her life seemed, like, amazing for, like, a few moments, but it turned out to be a one-hit wonder. And now, ten years later, Jane lives in Las Vegas, she's living with her parents again, and she's performing karaoke at bachelor parties, where she is sexually harassed and embarrassed non-stop. And this is, this is, like, she feels like this is, like, the bottom for her. Uh, And then she receives a call from her manager, Pippa, who says that she has this great opportunity. Jonesy wants Jane to perform on stage in London with him, perform her famous song. And, you know, Pippa really recommends it. This is going to be a great opportunity for her career because now we're in the age of, like, everybody takes pictures and films everything and she'll be all over the Internet and people will be like, oh, yeah, Jane, and it'll be great. And she agrees to do it. So she gets on a plane. And she is seated next to a very handsome man named Tom Hardy. Now, not that Tom Hardy, not the actor, but still a very handsome British man. This one is an Oxford English professor. They have like an instant chemistry. And she decides she's taking a chance on her career, so why not take a chance on romance or at least a really good fling while she's in London? I guess I could sh- I guess since they're going to be in England, I should say a really good shag, I don't know. But You know, she's she decides she's going to look him up while she's there um, because she thinks that she deserves some fun. This is going to be a really hard time for her, actually, because years ago when she was young and she was working with Jonesy, he used his position to manipulate and coerce her into doing things that she didn't want to do. And this is unresolved for her. And so she's very conflicted about doing this. Uh, and is she really hoping to restart her career by going to this concert or is she looking to get closure or revenge? She doesn't know what. It's a really fun, sexy, but also serious. I would call it a romedy. Is that a thing? I, it's, it has to be a thing, right? Um, about stardom and agency. Jane feels so real. And that's probably because if you didn't already know when I read the author's name, that Susanna Hoffs is a co-founder of The Bengals. Bengals with big hits like Walk Like an Egyptian, An Eternal Flame, and Manic Monday. She was a singer and guitarist in the band. I think they might be back together, so she probably still is. She's still a singer and guitarist. Um, And, you know, they had these huge hits in the 1980s. So she understands, better than most of us, the fickle nature of fame and also of being a woman in the music business and the sexual harassment and horribleness that comes with it, like people feeling they are entitled to your time, and entitled to remarking on your body and everything about you. And while this does deal with serious topics, she does it really well. Hoffs does it really well so that it never feels too heavy. And I found it to be fun and funny from start to finish. I think that Hoffs' personal knowledge of the music industry and what it's like to be up there on stage and what it's like to be a musician really lent itself well to the story. And also, it's kind of a look at, like, why we trust people, you know? Like, you can go through your life not trusting anybody, but, like, what kind of life is that if you don't? It's really light and charming. I do want to give content warnings for sexism, sexual assault, sexual harassment, disordered eating, body shaming, chemical use and abuse, and infidelity. This is This Bird Has Flown by Susanna Hoffs.
0: It sounds super interesting. I love the idea of just following someone after a... One hit wonder. I guess that's why there's all the where are they now articles because it's it's so interesting.
1: Yeah, I think you know the general public is obsessed with you know if if I'm not famous, then what's happening to the people who were you know? (laughs) And I have like this thing where I don't know. I, I guess it must be jealousy. I is it jealousy? Like you're already talented and you sing and you, and you play the guitar and now you can write books well. Like, yeah, ah, save some for the rest of us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my next book I want to talk about is I, Mija, a graphic novel, My Bilingual Summer in Mexico by Christine Shuggs. This is a YA graphic novel that is based on the author's trips to Mexico as a kid and teen. Christine is 16 and spending the summer with their grandparents and other family in Mexico. Their mother is a first-generation Mexican immigrant, and their father is a white American. They live in Texas. Christine spends most of the year with their mom, father, and aunt, their mom's sister, and they struggle with feeling like they don't really fit in anywhere, that they're not white enough for the U.S. and not Mexican enough for Mexico. Christine has much lighter skin than their mother and brother, and they don't speak fluent Spanish, and that's why they often feel like they don't fit in in Mexico. But although they feel overwhelmed when they first arrive, Christine soon begins to feel a sense of belonging in Mexico, including by being more comfortable and confident speaking in Spanish. I really enjoyed this one, and I found myself thinking a lot about how happy I am that we're finally seeing these sort of stories get mainstream publication. I feel like it's really only in the past few years that this is been happening. Christine is queer, non-binary, fat, and mixed race. This book has a mix of partially translated Spanish and completely untranslated Spanish included. As someone who doesn't speak the language, I felt like I was being put in Christine's shoes, having to muddle through some conversations I didn't understand, which I think is really effective for this story. It would be interesting to compare the reading experience if you are fluent in Spanish, because there's definitely a lot that I completely missed. But this combination of intersecting identities as well as untranslated Spanish is something that just wasn't happening as far as I know, in mainstream publishing, again, just a handful of years ago, especially with a YA audience, and especially in a graphic novel, which is more expensive to produce. It makes me really happy that we're finally getting these sort of stories that publishers are investing in this sort of story. The focus of the graphic novel is Christine coming to terms with their own identity including dealing with internalized fat phobia and worrying about coming out to their family on top of trying to figure out their own cultural identity and what it means to them. One fun detail is that there's just this tiny little Christine figure throughout that seems to be their inner voice that is cheerleading for them when they translate Spanish and offering an optimistic view when they feel self-conscious. It's really cute. We also get a look into Christine's mother's immigration story and how isolated she felt in the U.S. when she first came over. Eventually, her sister came over to join them and help raise the kids, which was a huge help. But because she is undocumented, she can't ever join them on their trips back to Mexico, so she hasn't seen her parents or other family in years. We also get a few bits of Mexican history, especially addressing the impact of colonialism. One interesting thing is that Christine is described with they, them pronouns and as non binary on the back cover, but that isn't explicitly named in the book itself. I get the feeling that maybe at that time they weren't going by they, them pronouns. I'm not sure, but it doesn't come up explicitly in the book, though they are experimenting with their gender presentation, including cutting their hair short. But if you're looking for non-binary representation that is really about coming out as non-binary, this wouldn't really be the book for it. But I do appreciate that even though it isn't the focus of the book, that the back matter and the packaging and everything does include that part of their identity. There are also a few pages in the back that include photos from the author's Mexico trips, which I think is a great idea. It's really fun to see real-life Christine in some of these same situations. So obviously, I definitely recommend this one. It's a YA graphic novel, but I think it would work well for many middle schoolers, too. And obviously, I enjoyed it as an adult. And that is I, Miha by Christine Shooks.
1: Okay, Those are books that we've read that are coming out today that we enjoy, and now we're going to talk about a few more of today's releases that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. I am really looking forward to reading this debut novel that I have heard amazing things about. It's called Carmen and Grace by Melissa Kos Aquino. It's about two inseparable best friends in a Bronx neighborhood, these two young girls, Carmen and Grace, and... When they are young, uh, their lives are marked by abuse and neglect, and eventually, a woman named Durka takes Grace into her home, and, you know, by proxy, also Carmen, and she kind of becomes the mother that they didn't have, or they don't have. But it turns out that Durka is a drug lord, and when they're older, she dies suddenly, and according to the blurb, mysteriously... And Grace must take over the business. This is what Durka has been teaching her over the years. But it turns out that Carmen is pregnant and she doesn't want Grace to take over the business. She wants them to quit this life and start a better one somewhere else for the baby. But Grace is torn between the life she has been raised to live and her best friend. It sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. I'll probably read it, like, this weekend. I've seen so many people talking about it on Instagram and on Goodreads. Um, and there's always the word crying in there somewhere, or sobbing, which sounds fun. I'm a huge fan of crying while well, you read. It's really cathartic. So I'm really looking forward to Carmen and Grace by Melissa coss Aquino.
0: That sounds really fascinating. I I don't know why I yeah. haven't heard of it. I've, you've seen it everywhere. I don't think I've <gasps> seen it at all. Yay! Yeah. Now you have. <laughs> now I have no excuse.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I just... I have seen it a bunch of places, and I, I meant like I don't know why I didn't get to it. Like you know, there's a lot going on, but like I was gonna read it for the show, and, and somehow I didn't. So <laughs> like as as I was like literally, I we're recording the show right now, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go read this right now.
0: <laughs> like
1: like I can't just stop what we're doing, but my
0: brain was right, like, yes, Right this. 2nd
1: <laughs> let's, let's do it now. My brain drives the car, <laughs> and I just you know, and sometimes I have to be like, pull over.
0: Yeah, I understand. <laughs> All right. One of the ones that I'm excited about is Not Too Late, Changing the Climate Story from Despair to Possibility, edited by Rebecca Solnit and Thelma young Lutanatabua. I follow some climate activists on social media who have explained how climate change nihilism or hopelessness or despair is just the latest tactic of fossil fuel companies. So first, it was denying climate change, and then it was downplaying it. And now they're saying it's inevitable, and it's not worth even trying to do anything about. It is in the interests of powerful people who want to maintain the status quo and the current systems of power for us to believe that it's too late to do anything to fight climate change. And that's exactly what this book is addressing, about moving conversations away from the hopelessness that leads to apathy. And instead looking at solutions. This is an anthology with a wide range of contributors, including climate scientists, poets, indigenous activists, and organizers. I know Adrienne Marie Brown is one of the authors, and I have always found anything that I've read from her to be really thought provoking. So I'm looking forward to that one, especially This is an invitation to imagine the future differently and to take action, and it's supposed to be really accessible and engaging with short essays and illustrations throughout, and it offers ways to connect to hope and recognize that giving up is not an option. From reviews, this looks like a great way to reconceptualize climate change activism. It talks about how despair is an emotion, not an analysis. Some of the essays also address the work that's being done now, the solutions that have already been found. I definitely need to pick this up because for sure I have felt that climate change despair and helplessness, and this looks like a great way to redirect that into something more useful. And that's Not Too Late, edited by Rebecca Solnit and Thelma young Lutinabua.
1: Okay. Before I tell you about my other pick, we are going to hear from a sponsor. All right. So, you've probably heard about my other pick because it was picked up already to be, uh, I think, a series. And so, it's been all over the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline and all this stuff. Very exciting. It's called Natural Beauty by Lingling Huang. And it's about a daughter of Chinese immigrants who is a talented piano player, like the top of her game, and she has to quit the orchestra to care for her parents after they are injured in an accident. She ends up getting a job at a high-end beauty supply store. I also want to say I'm saying she because uh, the narrator of this book is unnamed, so she gets a job at a beauty supply store. And soon she is surrounded and dazzled by wealth and also the products and their uses. She becomes close with the owner's daughter, and everything seems fabulous, but then she soon discovers the dark side to the beauty industry. This is supposed to be a very exciting debut. I'm excited about it. Like I said, it's being made into a show, and also Huang is a talented violinist, actually a Grammy-winning violinist, so knows a lot about the music industry. As I was talking about with the Hoff, very excited to read fiction written by people who know about what they're what they're talking about in the books. You know, everybody can write about everything, like, amazingly well. But it's fun when you realize, like, the people writing the books know about this specifically. It is called Natural Beauty by Lingling Huang.
0: That one I have been hearing a ton about. I'm excited about it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. And the last book I want to talk about is The People Who Report More Stress by Alejandro Varela. This is a short story collection from the author of The Town of Babylon, which was a finalist for the National Book Award, and I've heard such good things about both of them. I want to pick them both up. I know book writer Laura Saxton recommends them, and I always trust her Rex. This looks like a set of connected stories, mostly following queer Latina immigrants in New York City, that all deal with how politics and power systems weave into people's personal lives. There's a story of a queer man speed dating to try to find a partner who matches his radical politics. And unsurprisingly, speed dating by rapid firing charged political questions often doesn't end well. There is a child care worker who is teaching kids Spanish by using Selena's music, who is fascinated by the lives of the wealthy inhabitants of a nearby co-op building. There's a restaurant worker who is selling designer clothes to his friends and family to try to afford a move to the suburbs. These stories are described as humorous, sexy, and highly neurotic – dealing with racism and class conflict, as well as parenting, dating, and more. The connection point between them is an interracial gay couple, Gus and Eduardo, who we revisit in different times, in different contexts, to see the messy complexity of their lives. I love fiction that deals with systemic injustice and how that affects the everyday lives of its characters. So I'm really excited to pick this one up. I just really like political especially radical leftist political characters i always like reading that kind of fiction i find it fascinating comes highly recommended by alexander chi justin torres and many others and that is the people who report more stress by alejandro varela
1: i'm really looking forward to reading that one yeah it sounds fantastic All right, so those are books that we have read or are interested in reading, and now it is time for the paperback release lightning round. There are so many good books out in paperback today, starting with Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. This is based on the true story of uh, stolen Chinese art, and in this novel, a Harvard student is hired to steal Chinese art back from museums and puts together like an Ocean's Eleven kind of crew to do that. Easy Beauty, a memoir by Chloe Cooper Jones. This is a beautiful memoir. Jones writes about how she was born with a rare congenital condition, which changed her appearance and walk, and how she navigated life and how people reacted to her. It's so, so good. Bomb Shelter, Love, Time, and Other Explosives by Mary Laura Philpott. We love Mary Laura. She's the best. I loved her last book, I Miss You When I Blink, and this is another, like, essay-memoir book about her thoughts on life and love and hardship. I am a little disappointed. I will say the paperback does not include Frank the Turtle, so sorry, Frank, that you didn't make the cut for the paperback. Here Goes Nothing by Steve Toltz. This is one of my favorite books of last year. Um, It's about a man named Angus who is murdered and... Ends up in a really weird afterlife, which is kind of dull and boring. Uh, While back on Earth, his pregnant girlfriend lives with his murderer. It is dark, 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 dark. I mean, so dark. Like, if this interests you, then please go into it knowing that it is really tough in places. But I thought it was excellent. Toltz is the author of Fraction of the Whole, which came out many years ago, won some comedy awards. He's very funny, but so dark. Heartbroke by Chelsea Beaker. This is a great collection of stories from the author of Godshot, which has one of my favorite covers, Godshot. And now this one, I love the cover even more. It might be my favorite cover of 2022. The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead. This is about friends who join a cult in college. And then as adults, one of them has died on the grounds of the school, and so the other friends are going to return to the school to find out what happened, and also we're gonna learn what happened while they attended college there. Um, This book, by all accounts, is Banana Pants. I saw it all over Instagram. People saying, like, read this book, but oh my goodness, at your own peril, because apparently, even the blurb calls it a pitch black thriller. This one has all the trigger warnings and just sounds so wild. Four Treasures of the Sky by Jenny Tingwei Zhang, about a Chinese girl in the 1880s American West who is trying to survive. This one, I read this one as well. Excellent, excellent. Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. This is based on a true story about a Black nurse in 1970s Alabama who speaks up about the treatment of the patients where she works. Women Eating by Claire Coda. This is a, they call it a literary vampire novel. It's about a young mixed-race vampire who is interested in her father's Japanese culture, especially the food, but unfortunately for her, she can only ingest blood. Finding Me, a memoir by Viola Davis. Davis is the amazing award-winning actress. This is her first memoir and was one of Oprah's book picks last year. The Immortal King Rao by Vahini Vara but a child named King Rao, who was born in an Indian village and becomes the CEO of the world's biggest tech company and then eventually a world leader. And a few books out in paperback today. Paperback Originals, Punk Rock Unicorn, Another Phoebe and Her Unicorn Adventure by Dana Simpson. You know that we are big fans of these books. I think this is number 17. I forgot to write it down. It's either 16 or 17 about Phoebe and her unicorn friend, Marigold Heavenly Nostrils. Paradise One by David Wellington. Somehow I missed this one and I might have to read this one next because it is the first in the Red Space series and it's about a space colony that went silent and the ship that is going to investigate what happened there. Like horror and mystery in space? Yes, please! Anna Maria and the Fox by Liana De La Rosa. This is a romance in the Victorian era between a Mexican heiress and a British politician. I know some people at Book Riot are big fans of this one. They're already so excited, so I can't wait to read it. And The Insatiable Volt Sisters by Rachel Eve Moulton, about two sisters raised on an island and whose parents' divorce literally separates them. Now, as adults, one of the sisters receives a call saying their father has died and she has to return to the island I don't know what happens there, but Gus Moreno, who wrote This Thing Between Us, which is a horror novel that I really loved, uh, calls it pure nightmare fuel. So I'm very excited for that. Um, and that's what I have for paperbacks today. Now, Danica, what are you going to read next?
0: I think realistically, I'm going to read Zach George's Guide to a Well-Behaved Dog. <laughs> because-
1: oh, Danica, I told you, I'm really trying hard. I'm trying, but you know... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've watched Zach George's videos, and he seems to be a good uh, dog trainer. Very positive and everything, and definitely scrappy. Has some things to work on, so (laughs) (laughs) that Um, might help. We've we've already heard some things you're promising to read next, or write the second, but what are you going to read next, Liberty?
1: So, well, now I'm torn, because I really want to read the... Abandoned Space Colony or whatever, something, empty space colony book that I just talked about, Paradise One. That sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. And I really want to read Carmen and Grace. But I did just get one of my most anticipated novels of the year, so I'm going to go with that. It's Rouge by Mona Awad, the author of Bunny and so many other great things that I love. Uh, what was the other one? that Oh, All's Well, her most recent one is one that I loved. And this one, apparently, weirdly, is also about a young woman who becomes obsessed with skin and skincare videos and beauty. So, we got a little theme going on today. Yeah, very excited for that one. The cover is so strange and awesome. I love her. I could just go on and on and on about her today, but I'm not going to. <laughs> so, that is all for us today. You can go to bookriot.substack.com to check out the deep dive. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Tell us about your area code. You can find us online. Danica, where can they find you online?
0: Uh, Mostly at The Lesbury, my website, but sometimes on Twitter, at Lesbury.
1: All right. And I mostly hang out on Instagram at friendsandcomesalive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcast thingies. And you can leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, Happy, happy reading. reading.